Here we go. Neutron, proton, mass effect, lyrical oxidation, you're irrelevant, mass spectrograph, your electron volt, atomic energy erupting as I get all open on betatrons, gamma rays, thermal cracking, cyclotron, any and every mic you're on, transuranium, if y'all was uranium, molecule spontaneous combustion, Bam. law of definite proportion, game, ink, wait. I'm every element around. Welcome to Spark Science, where we explore stories of human curiosity. We are here at the Chuckanut Distillery in Bellingham, Washington. How's it, how's it going, Jordan? And I'm here with my co-host. Uh, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we are here with our science guest, Dr. Elizabeth Raymond. And she is my friend and colleague at Western Washington University. How is it going? Things are going well. Yeah. Excited to be here. Yeah. Looking to get some new examples for class this spring. Yeah, and some new samples of that tasty. Too. That too. <laughs> that had nothing to do with your your agreeing to be here. No. Okay. And we are here with Matt Howell. I uh, I'm one of the co-owners and head distiller here at Chuck Nut Bay Distillery. Head distiller at our distillery means doing pretty much everything. Okay. Uh, a little bit of everything. Tony Vernon helps out with, again, pretty much everything. All right, and, and our listeners are going to be able to go to Instagram and see pictures of a distillery and, and our tour. So I'm going to just let Matt take us through the tour, and we're going to be interrupting you with questions, and maybe Dr. Raymond here will might be interjecting some things about science, or maybe I'll just make her do that. So uh, let's get started on the tour. Are you ready? All right, yeah, I'm ready. This All is right, exciting. All right, let's do this. Okay, so pretty much things start at the back the back of the distiller here so um, we're fortunate enough to be surrounded by all sorts of farmland both to the north and to the south so we're able to source all of our grains from right here in Whatcom County uh, about 20 miles away each one of these bags here is roundabout a ton so 2,000 pounds oh wow and we got everything pretty much so we've got rye corn white wheat barley and we do all that processing right here on site we're fortunate enough to work with a farmer who's who's like, all right, what do you want? And I'm like, I'd like some corn, and he'll put it in the ground for us. Wow. It was hard to get him to grow rye for us because he sees it as a weed and it doesn't quite yield as much per ton, but per acre, rather. Can we just take a quick step back, and can you tell us, like, the origins of the Chuckanut Distillery? Sure. And, like, how you did this, and, and was it your goal to have local produce and grains? and? Yeah, so started the distillery with, with my partner, uh, Kelly Andrews, and, and the goal for us was we wanted to create something, something that was, that was intensely local in terms of sourcing. So, okay, so this is where we bring everything back. So, so if we open up these bags, uh, which we could do if you guys want to take a look. I do want to look inside the bag. Um, you can hear the crinkling, listeners. <laughs> it really is just an enormous bag. It's they are huge. Please again, listeners, go to our Instagram and see these bags because they're, yeah. So here we can see it's just uh, this is white wheat berries. So we just get it, can we, you know. Can I have some? Sure, yeah. To like look at and smell. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, they smell really good though. The the white wheat is it's it's just fantastic. So it ends up comprising a, a lot of what we do. So the busker that we do, which is a liqueur, Krampus, which we do our wheat's vodka, our wheat gin. It's all, it's all from this base because this wheat is such a prolific producer of sugars for, for fermentation and then distillation. It's almost five times as efficient as potatoes. Really? Like per pound. So, wow. so what? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it is, from a processing standpoint, it just makes sense. It's one of the reasons that when you see 
If you're in the store looking around and you see potato vodka on a bottle, it's kind of a big deal because it just is so much harder to make things out of potatoes. Okay. It just takes that much more effort. Uh, one, it just takes more volume. Is it because the potatoes have so much more starch in them? It's, it's a starch and then also like water content, okay. you know, so I mean it's both those things and then you just have to deal with basically, uh, you have to upsize things because you're really just pushing volumes in order okay. to get similar yields. Oh, um, so I'm going to take a break here for a second with fermentation. Um, Betsy, do you want to tell us something about like the most basic fermentation? So what, it, what happens? Maybe Matt, you can tell us the very beginning and then you can tell us chemically what's happening. Okay. Sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, happily. Okay, so like none of none of the stuff that we work with is malted. So what that means is is that it it hasn't yet undergone like the the process that makes available like alpha amylase and and a couple other enzymes that allow those starches to be fermented and or uh, turned into fermentable sugars. So right now we have a bunch of stuff that yeast can't do anything with. Okay. So so what we do is we actually do a step mash where we're hitting different temperatures and then we do enzyme additions to okay. simulate that. Wow. Um, okay, I don't know anything about enzymes. So the enzymes just speed up the reaction. So okay. the reaction theoretically would take place over a very, very long period of time and over such a long period of time that it wouldn't be useful. And so the enzymes, you add them and it causes the reaction to happen a lot faster because it, it makes a lower energy pathway to get from your reactants to your products. Okay. So they essentially act as catalysts. Okay. Catalyze reactions. Then what did people do before, like a long, long time ago when they didn't have like... You, you can allow it to germinate. Okay. So, so basically what happens is, I believe it's the endosperm will make available, will make available the alpha amylase and the other, and those other enzymes so that, because when it wants to grow, right, it needs, it needs available power source. It needs those sugars by which it can start growing. Right. Um, and so if we basically were to get it wet, It'll start to start to root, and then we would have to cease that. Otherwise, it will use all those sugars for that. Okay. Um, and yeah. then it starts to ferment, is what you're telling me. Uh, well, it depends. Like there are yeah. lots of ambient yeast and things like that, so it might. Okay. In fact, that's one of the things I was thinking about. Like uh, as you guys were headed out, I was thinking of the differences between fermentation and distillation. Right. Uh, like so, fermentation. It, it's kind of a fun idea. Like I think it. You know, it's something that we probably discovered, right? It's right. like something yeah. that yeast yeah. just did. Uh, distillation was very different. It was invented. Like it was right. something we actively yeah. went after and we said, we've got this, now we want to create something else. Right. Yeah. Or, or refine it such that we have a more concentrated something that's in this other solution. Because yeah. the, the fermentation is actually turning the sugars into alcohol. Right. The distillation is then the purification of the alcohol. Matt was telling me to this. To concentrate it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to have a quick question about just general fermentation. So fruit, right? I mean, fruit ferments. There are these instances where like birds, right? They, yeah, they seem like the squirrels on YouTube. They're right. running into trees yeah. and stuff. Right, yeah. and there's that famous video of that moose that gets stuck in that tiny tree because he's like eating an apple. Apples off of this tiny like six foot tree, you know, and he like, gets stuck in it. So I mean, is that where we discovered um, fermentation or was it even like well before that? Because I mean, there's like, there's certain areas that don't have as readily available fruit, but they probably had alcohol. So like, can, do you guys know any, or do you both know any stories about? So sourdough starter is a right, this fermentation term. process. Yeah. Right. Leave almost anything out and it's gonna collect it's gonna... molds and yeasts and bacteria. And the trick is somehow we as human beings figured out how to collect the good ones. 
Yeah. And not the ones that'll kill you. Right. It's the people that survived. Right? Yeah. So uh, you, I just had a quick yeah. question. So it, when people are making beer, they uh-huh. use mostly malted, like sprouted uh, oh, yeah, wheat and stuff. What's what's the purpose of using the not sprouted? Is that does it create a cleaner taste? Because you're essentially making a beer, right? Before right. you distill it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We do. We do make a beer. So the thing with malting is. Like for a beer, it just wouldn't make sense at all. I mean, the malting does a great deal to inform your product. You know that malt, the malt level that you're doing on it. So like, after you allow you after you allow germination to occur, you stop it by heating, and then and then it actually goes into a kiln, and they'll heat it to varying levels depending on what kind of beer you're making. So that will de- that helps to define like if it's you know a really dark beer, you know it's it's very heavily roasted, right? Oh. So for beer, they have to do that. For us, we're really just looking to capture alcohol. And we do one product, it's called Green Man's Dram, that the malt character informs the product. But for most of them, we're really just wanting to make as clean an ethanol as possible, except for in the cases of our whiskeys, which are, um, we do a bourbon and then we do an Irish style whiskey. And, uh, and, and with those, they're not, it, it's not like a single malt whiskey, like, so we're not dependent upon uh, a malted grain to inform the product. So. So for us, it's it's just uh, we don't have to do that extra step of either sending the stuff out to have it malted, okay. or building a malt house ourselves, and it enables us to go straight to the farm and say, hey, we want twenty thousand pounds of wheat, you know? Yeah. So it is, so it's okay. actually easier for you. You're the we get to skip a step, yeah, and okay. then we just get to do it in mash time. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. It, yep. So, it. Yeah, yeah. So we mill it here. We've actually moved the mill on the other side because it's potato season. So we're processing potatoes. We don't have any potatoes at present, but um, yeah, that's our potato grinder right there. Ah. So Wait, yeah, this we, thing right here. Yeah. So we do okay. a grind on the potatoes, and we basically just make uh, kind of a potato sludge. Like a slurry. So like more <laughs> pulpy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then and so we just try to make something with as consistent a grind as possible. And, uh, and then after this, this point, we go up to our mash tun. So the milling, the grinding of potatoes, I mean, we're just trying to make it, we're just trying to make everything as accessible as possible for, um, for our heating and the enzymes to get at, so then the yeast will be able to get at it even further and create alcohol. I love that you named all of these. Yeah, yeah so- we got lots of, lots of fun names. So yeah, all of their containers. What are these called? Yeah. Uh, these are fermenters, and then this fermenters. is like a mash tun. Uh, yeah, and our still. Yeah, we got a little bit of everything. So you had Sagan over there, the science. Carl Sagan. Fiction. Yeah. There we go. I, how could we not have Carl Sagan, right? Right. Soon was Birdie, so that's Bertrand Russell, Spinoza. We've got some cartoon characters: Natsu, Ferb from Phineas and Ferb. Wait, just for but not Phineas? Yeah, well, see, the thing is, we feel that, <laughs> that uh, no Phineas gets, gets all the accolades sort of thing, you know, but I mean, he talks Ferb, more. Ferb gets stuff done. Like, right. you look in the background, yeah. I don't know, my niece was over quite a bit a couple summers ago, and I saw <laughs> a number of episodes. It's kind of the shape of Ferb's head, too. 
I didn't, oh, that's even, I didn't even think of that, but I, I like that. I'd like to say, oh my gosh. yes, I know, that's exactly what we did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that we're talking about Kinesiopherb, by the way. It's F. Yes, we are. He's a scientist. Right. He's a yeah. scientist. Yeah, fantastic. This is called Spark Science. So, so we go to our mash tun right here, uh, George Bailey, and so everything we use is uh, steam powered. So we've got these hot lines. We don't want to touch those guys. Uh, so we're running steam, and then it's got a jacket, and we basically just adjust the steam flow rate, and then that will heat this up. What do you mean by jacket? So, so we can see that it stops right here, but there's actually there's about six inches, okay. that, and there's like steam piping that runs all the way through. Okay. So this is a low pressure steam system. It runs anywhere from 13 psi to about 10 psi. Oh wow. It's with like a pretty a, high volume. So it's like a thermos only with steam coils right. in the space where there would be vacuum. What's, and what the, you, what's oh, the capacity of that? 150 gallons. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yep. And uh, and so yeah once we once we hit this point we just we basically add all that we add our water and then we, we start to heat and add our, our enzymes. And uh, we hit a couple different levels, like uh, we basically run it up to, we add our alpha amylase and uh, beta gluconase, and we run it up to, depending on... Oh yeah, alpha... So, uh, yeah, yeah. so, so yeah. Yeah. break that down a little further. So, so the alpha amylase is, again, the thing that's going to allow us to convert those starches to fermentable sugars. Okay. And the, yeah. the beta is, is something that is, is helping us to break it down so it's not so sludgy. So we've got to be able to move things around. So in the natural world, where do these things exist? Like these enzymes? Well, I mean, I think that's a big part of, like the plants yeah. like actually possess a lot of those okay. in order yeah. to propagate themselves. Yeah. For someone like me who didn't take chemistry, people will say like certain chemicals and they're like, that's like stuff in, you know, whatever. And then they'll tell me this everyday mm. thing, but there's nothing like that for these enzymes. Plants. I mean, yeah, it, okay. it, it, it's how biochemistry works. It's, okay. it, it, it's how plants and animals, it's how chemistry happens in the cell. Okay. So it's, to break a fair number of bonds takes quite a bit of energy. And these enzymes help to lower the amount of energy that it takes. Okay. So that plants and animals can actually do the, so your cells can actually do the chemistry, but only when you want to. So it okay. isn't happening all the time. Okay. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, we even have like alpha amylase like in our mouth, like in our palate. Like, I think so. So, so yeah, it's, in, in your saliva to help yeah, you break down. Break down starches and stuff. That's why if you take like a cracker or something and it'll change from salt to kind of that salty flavor to sweet, like, because mm -hmm. you're starting to, to break that down. They actually okay. spit in certain... Uh, I was just about to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, certain beers, in African yeah. alcohols, like in order to to start that fermentation. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, make See, that that's what I wanted. I wanted there some sort of relationship. <laughs> yeah. And so spit. Yes, that doesn't spit, happen right? here, though. No, no, no. Like classy joke. Not, not on purpose, anyway. <laughs> don't, don't worry. We right. distill it several times. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. So, so we've, we've, uh, we've hit our, we've hit our temperatures. We basically started the conversion that we want to start happening. Uh, and then, and then what we do is we have to cool it back down. Okay. So. By the time this is done, we've we've hit about 160 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. And uh, we're going to need to bring that back down to about 70 degrees Fahrenheit okay. before we're going to put yeast into it, because otherwise we'll just kill the yeast. And in addition to that, and you could probably ex expound upon this. It would be fun to hear, like when when we have lower temps, the yeast create more of what we want, which is ethanol, and less of what we call cogeners. 
And uh, it, what are cogeners? So, so they're the fusel alcohols and things like that. And and so, like, if you have higher temperatures, as these things convert, and I've only read a little bit about this, but the way they sync up, like, they'll just start forcing together connections more so. Yeah. Um, and and you won't get as clean a product. There are certain temperature regimes in which these enzymes will do different processes and because the, the higher the temperature the more energy that's available right and so you can do different things at different temperatures because if you raise the temperature you now have more energy available to do these other processes awesome so we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna see what happens after the enzymes have been added right awesome yep Welcome back to Spark Science. We're at Chuckanut Distillery. Chuckanut Bay Distillery. Do I have to add that in there for legal reasons? Uh, well, I, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> no legal reasons. It is the name. So <laughs> we've, we've done our, our mash and we've let it ferment. How many days do we ferment it? Yeah, we kind of, it, it depends on the substrate. So uh, potatoes happens, it's pretty quick. It's like a four to five day affair. Wow. Uh, with with uh, grains, it's seven, seven wow. to eight. But uh, I, I thought we were just saying that potatoes take longer. I'm confused. It takes a whole lot more to, to create a bottle. So oh, we so in terms it. of volumes, I mean, we've only got 150 gallons to work with. Got it. And so there's less sugars there, so it ferments out much quicker. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Uh, do you use wild yeast or do you have like a yeast? Oh, I wish. That you... That'd be so fun. <laughs> right. I want to go cultivate my own. I think up in the chuckanuts, I'd love to do that. <laughs> no, we use, a, we use a dry yeast. We actually use a, uh, a Dijon clone, which is, so it's a, it's a grape varietal clone uh, that we just really like. We just really like what it does. We tried lots of different yeast and different yeasts do lots of different things. And so for a lot of what we do, uh, this is this is kind of our workhorse because it just it produces a nice nice clean spirit. Okay, and once we move it from the fermenter, you put it right into the still from there. Yep, right into the still from there. Yeah. So what we do initially is with any given ferment, we're we're shooting for you know somewhere between six and eight percent alcohol, and we go to the still, and and initially we do what's called the stripping run. So for our stripping run, we're just trying to run. We're just trying to run that that initial ferment up to between 25 and 30 percent alcohol okay. by volume. Uh, we're just trying to concentrate it a little bit, and uh, and that's something that happens pretty quick. It's it's kind of down and dirty, and and they really are, don't don't smell super great because we're just kind of taking everything. When you're distilling, there's a lot of history with distilling in our country, prohibition and people distilling at home, and how it's dangerous. Why is it dangerous? And why is there like jokes about like things exploding and stuff like that? Because I mean, I should know this as a scientist, but I've just never looked into it. I mean, the process of distilling, you're heating it, you're taking this liquid, maybe liquid and solid mixture, and you're heating it up and you're boiling off the stuff that you want and you collect it. Mm -hmm. But ethanol, the alcohol. yeah, the alcohol, yeah, the alcohol we want to drink is ethanol, right? But all alcohols are flammable. Got it. And so you've got a heat source. <laughs> 
and you're concentrating the alcohol Got it. because that's what you want and you're doing it near certainly long ago near a flame right Got it. Now I'm with so you much now. Anymore. Yeah, not a yeah. steam-powered one. Yeah, not a steam like <laughs> yeah. the ones here. The, right. Okay. Yeah, we're all we're all steam. I always joke you have to be quite a knucklehead, you know, to uh, to get yourself in trouble with with a steam-powered system, you know. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah but yeah, it's it, it's uh, it'll vapor like mm -hmm. it'll go to vapor. It's pretty volatile stuff, and and it has no problem igniting, you know, explosively. Uh, and also heat. with the lower heat when you're ferment or when you're distilling it, doesn't it create uh, methanol before ethanol? Yeah, and then that causes the blindness, which is sort of like another old oh, yeah. when, tale or whatever. When people talk about you know like oh be careful with that it'll make you go blind. You know you've got you've got methanol like with, which if you ingest that and it'll start to shut down your internal organs and damages I believe it's the occipital part of your brain. So, what? So, so this is why the like original moonshine was like not good. Yeah. Yeah, because if okay. you don't know what you're doing, like, yeah, the, <laughs> the most volatile stuff in the still is uh, methanol and acetone. Like those are the oh. first, first ones that come off. Yeah. The thing is, is you can smell like, you know, and that's like a big part of what we do in good distillers. Like you, you're getting into it. They've got different, very different smells. Mm -hmm. they, they feel different when you touch them, like fusel alcohol toward the end. I mean, they're exceptionally oily. Um, and you can identify them in all these sorts of different ways. Okay. Um, yeah, but and the other thing is, is with a lot of the stuff that we use, our, we do produce methanol and, and certainly a fair bit of, and not too much acetone, but I mean, if, as you use fruit stuff, like with pectin, as I understand, like mm -hmm. so pectin with yeast interacts with that, it has more of a tendency to create higher methanol account, amounts oh, than wow. like grains and potatoes. But I mean, it's still certainly present. If people used to do it back in the day when we discovered this thing, why did it all of a sudden become illegal? And why did why did, did yeah. the government just want their you know? I mean, that's why, they had, that's why they do it want it now. But I think the the whiskey tax was like one of the first taxes that the American government levied against against the American people. So yeah, I mean, certainly money is a big part of that. I, I don't know the the exact history. It's just be interesting to figure out. I, like, oh, here's your cause and effect sort of thing. Yeah. Sure. I mean, uh, we have a very interesting relationship with alcohol in this country. This sort of teetotaling, large part, it creates kind of an unhealthy culture. I mean, you guys are in, at the university. Yes. And, and so, like, a lot of these kids, like, their interaction with alcohol doesn't happen until they go off to college. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, and just and consuming way too much, right? As opposed to this well, hey, this is, this is it, and so maybe appreciating like wine or something like that. Right. Especially in Bellingham, breweries, and, and now you, the distillery, and Bellwood Acres that has a distillery, I think it's very much popular now. So when did that start? I mean, in, in your memory, when, when did that boom start? And, and Dr. Raymond or Jordan, you can probably chime in too, because I mean, we can all probably hone in on the, the year it kind of started, late 90s maybe? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah breweries is, Kind of a 20 year old thing you know i mean it's yeah. it started a while ago here yeah. in, in our area and um has been going stronger and stronger i, I think right. that people just realizing that you can have a different experience with these alcohols you know as opposed to something that you know some of these loggers like a lot of people who think beer you know in the 1960s or 70s or whatever and you're thinking like wow mgd that's uh <laughs> that's some pretty good stuff or yeah. whatever you know and you just have and, and kind of getting back to, as we were discussing, kind of these, these disciplines have been around for a long time. Right. This is, a lot of people used to homebrew, a lot of people used to have little home stills and they would put 
different botanicals in there and, and it was to help with your ales. It was to help you feel better, you know, and, and uh, so it's got a long tradition. Right. Uh, as for distilling, it's, it's a much newer sort of thing. I'd say in our state, the first distillery was Dry Fly there in Spokane. Uh, I started up in 20, uh, 2007. Oh, wow. And so they, they kind of pushed through that first wave of, of legislation for craft distilleries. Okay. And uh, Yeah, and because it wasn't, I was going to say, there, there were some significant law changes, though I don't remember now what it was yeah. that prevented them, but I do remember that well, there were big changes that allowed them to come into places like you to come into being. Yeah. 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 In fact, I don't know that it was even that they weren't allowed. It was just that and even still, I mean, the tax structure and everything, uh, like, it just was so prohibitive. Sometimes still it feels punitive, like with some of the changes that they did with 1183, like the amount that goes to the federal government and to, to the state. Alcohol is like one of the few things that federally, like we pay the same amount per proof gallon that a Jim Beam does. Like every other thing, whether you're talking beer or wine, it's scaled to pr level production. Oh, really? And I did not know that. It's something that they wanted to change. In fact, there was something in front of Congress the end of this last year, but of course it dropped out at the end. about the fermentation, the distilling. Is there anything past that that you want to talk about? I mean, we kind of looked at, so our initial still there was designed by a gentleman up in Canada, and it's just like a, a simple pot still, and it allows us to get that strip really nicely. It also makes whiskey really well. Like these are things, we're not requiring big jumps in alcohol, and we're also not trying, it's not very concentrated at that point. But in order to be vodka, we've got to hit 95% alcohol by volume. What? Which which gets harder and harder. It takes more and more energy to achieve this separation. Ethanol, the alcohol that we drink, yeah, and water, they like to interact with themselves really well. So water likes to interact with water. Ethanol likes to interact with ethanol. But when you get them together in the right proportions, they actually interact with each other very strongly. Mm. And so the boiling point of ethanol has a value, and the boiling point of water has value. I know that value. But as <laughs> as you Got change it. the amount that are mixed together, the boiling points actually coalesce. And so instead of boiling off water at one temperature and ethanol at another, they both boil off together at the same temperature. So there becomes a point where you can't separate the ethanol and the water anymore wow. without extraordinary effort. Wow, so like, what's the effort? Like, How do you do that then? She's talking about uh, mechanical separation with heat. I think the upper bounds of that, you know, you can hit like maybe 96.3% oh, okay. uh, alcohol by volume. But I mean, to move beyond that, you'd have to do it chemically. I think it's yeah. with benzene or something. Yeah. So okay, if it. you want to use ethanol as a solvent and you don't want water around, right? You, to get rid of that last three, four percent of water, you actually have to int introduce some other molecules in order to get rid of the water. And so benzene is something that's typically used. Benzene is carcinogenic and you really don't want to drink it. Right. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. But people, yeah. wait, wait. So nobody drinks that. No, okay. no, no. no. You, it's purely for using in a chem lab. Got it. Yeah. This yeah. is how like my, my knowledge of chemistry is just completely <laughs> void. Actually, yeah. I saw the Mythbusters, they tried to run cars and one of them they used the 99% 
uh-huh. uh, alcohol, which obviously ran the best in whatever their getaway car was. We're <laughs> <laughs> yeah. talking about bootlegging now. Right, exactly. <laughs> right, right. It's prohibition. It, it all well, yeah, because the myth was that they used to run their cars off of moonshine. Oh, okay. To get, like, better... And it totally worked? It on... worked to a point. The okay, lower yeah. in alcohol, obviously, it was... Okay. didn't work as well. Yeah, but. okay. And, and having the water in there yeah. will be very hard on your engine in the long term. Right, yeah. You want to rest. Yeah, but they were making tons of money just buy a new car. <laughs> right? I mean, like... <laughs> so, actually, some, like, bootlegging history here in Whatcom County, because when Prohibition was going on, people would get um, beer and alcohol from Canada, and they would actually bring that in. Oh. Um, and my husband's grandfather lived on a road called Double Ditch, and he would actually float the barrels of alcohol down the Double Ditch to the to two people down into to Linden. Huh. Yeah, cool. So at least that's the story. I don't know. <laughs> that's the story. That was the a one, lot of the one bad thing Linden ever did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we had the drug tunnel too. Just, right. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so you get your your vodka, and how many do you sell? Different kinds of vodka, or is it just like the one? So yeah, we do we do a wheat and potato, so just the okay. two different substrates, and we treat them very similarly, you know. But just given their where their starting point, even though we do run them up past ninety five, they do have different characteristics. The wheat just kind of has this more kind of high tone thing, and what feels, do you mean by high tone? So. We'd have to taste it. You'd have to taste it, probably. Maybe, maybe we should. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I, on the air, I mean, I think I promised our listeners we'd be tasting some alcohol, so. Yeah? Yeah, maybe All right. we should. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, so when it gets, uh, obviously you're not serving 95%. Right. What do you uh, cut it down with? We've got to, yeah, we do a proof down, so water. So, uh, and, and what we do, we just, we're basically using city water that we, we pass through a series of filters. Uh, who else would, would like some? I would taste them, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Are you, <laughs> Is that too are you much? supposed to drink it all at once? Uh, well, I guess that's up to you, uh, whatever you're feeling. Is it, I, um, I've been here before and I tasted, uh, there was one that just tasted like a straight up potato. Yeah, so that was our, that was our, initial, that was our initial thing. Like I'm always like, I'm Which looking to one? history, so this is wheat. Okay. Um, I'm always looking to history to kind of inform like what I do and what we do here. Sure. And then, and then try to make it our own. So initially, like I said, we, we started the distillery because we wanted to make gin. You know, but I knew I wanted to do something with potatoes, and so like as I looked at things, I'm like, all right, well, this is this is cool, but alcohol or vodka rather becomes typically about just alcohol delivery. You're wanting an inebriant, right? You know, and so like I can toss this with whatever, but I I, I don't know, I didn't really like that, especially considering we use so many potatoes. So it just felt like a shame to to take this thing, distill it up to this point, and then filter it without without having no flavor. So yeah, we have one potato and that's like our original style. I don't send it out of this market. We actually only sell it here in the taste room. Mm-hmm. We've got another potato vodka that, that, we, that matches more with people's expectations. Cause I found like, if somebody is a vodka drinker and they go to that, they're like, ooh, uh, no, I don't want that. But then someone's like, I don't like vodka. I'm like, well, here, try this one. They're like, oh, I like that, you know? And so I don't want people's first experience with our, with our stuff to be something that catches them so off guard. <laughs>
we're trying vodka, um, the wheat vodka here at Chuckanut Bay Distillery. It was a little strong for me. It was, what did you say, it was 40%? 40%, yeah. 40%, so we're gonna talk about, I, we're gonna try the potato one. Dr. Raymond here, during the break, she was talking about how the smell of this vodka as a chemist kind of affected her, but you also talked about how can the potato and the wheat actually distinctively taste different. Yeah, so in the lab, we don't taste things. We don't drink things, but right. we use ethanol quite a lot and it's got a distinctive smell to it. And so there's that response of don't taste it, don't drink it because you're in the lab and I don't drink a lot of vodka. So smelling it, it's like, ooh, now I'm in the lab. But then you taste it and it's like, oh no, this actually really tasty. Right. <laughs> I wonder um, like, if you train yourself, you're like, no, this is okay. It, you have to get past that barrier. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it certainly used to be the case that chemists tasted things. Right. That was a method of determining what is what and what are the properties that things have. And what was the life expectancy? Not so good. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, my favorite scientist in history, um, especially physicist, is Michael Faraday. And he worked for Davies, right? Uh, he got injured a, f a fair amount of times. And he was a chemist. Older books, you will see, you know, under properties of things, you'll have it, what it looks like and what it feels like and what it smells like and what, what it, it tastes, tastes like. like. Like, what does mercury taste like? <laughs> Somebody should That's sure. terrible. Don't no, do that, no. kids. Well, I'm <laughs> sure they did the same thing with food, right? I mean, yeah. whoever saw a crab walking around was like, I should boil that and put yeah. it in my mouth. And that was a good choice. You're right. Yeah, You're right. right. Lobsters were apparently very terrifying for a lot of people. And they're like, wait, we can actually eat these, right? Because they look like sea bugs. Once, yeah, once you, you know jokes. that you're dominant. Artichokes. Right. <laughs> Who ate that? <laughs> Is there any stories of like certain chemists just, I think Matt was saying during the break, there was one guy that got would, into trouble. Yeah, I was trying to think, uh, it, was, it was from that lengthy book, what is it, A Brief History of Nearly Everything. And oh, he, the and Bill he, Bryson book? Bill Bryson, mm -hmm. which I'm a big fan of, but, and he covers like so much material, but there's this, uh, I think it was like uh, in Denmark or something, a chemist that made several discoveries and then was found, found dead at his work desk after trying. <laughs> The wrong thing. Right. I suspect it was probably really common for chemists to die of poisoning or some red disease. Well, my, yeah. my daughter wants to be a chemist. And uh, for those of you who listened to the Geek Girl Con episode, she wants to be a chemist because she wants to create potions, right? Like, that's, that's her oh, thing. Yeah. So I, I can see maybe a while ago, or even now, people being like, I'm going to create that potion. Mm -hmm. They need to be careful, though. I want to bring us back to um, Dr. <laughs> Raymond. You were saying that, like, this, this distilling process that Matt is telling us about here, that's happening here at Check It Up Bay Distillery, and it's so much refining, yet we're going to try the potato vodka. Yeah, yeah. We're going to try it right now. <laughs> and uh, Jordan said it tasted like potatoes. Yeah, it does taste. It's quite a bit weightier. Like, um, and so, so the thing is... Um, it's only slight, though. I mean, yeah. it's a slight difference. For me, I'm not a big alcohol mm -hmm. drinker. Yeah, and I find that it just kind of it kind of lives in a different place, you know, like where where the wheat is kind of more up here and bright, like it's kind of down, and, and maybe it's just a, a function of like, hey, the wheat it's grown above ground and it influences <laughs> my my uh, my thinking about it, you know, versus maybe. potatoes that are in the ground. But is it all in our our minds? I don't it, think so. I don't know. I tend to think most things are there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. So yeah, why would that be? I mean, we, we had um, the wonderful Lena Dahlberg, Dr. Lena Dahlberg on, and she was talking about the science of smells. And that kind of makes me think about taste. I mean, those molecules are still in there, right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. what's happening. Mm -hmm. so. And they can't be particularly volatile. 
because they would have distilled off. Mm. Yeah. Okay. But it, they potentially interact really strongly with the ethanol with the little bit of water that's left. But they also may be, I mean, a lot of flavor molecules, complex flavor molecules tend to be pretty big. Yeah, and that's so true. And so they distill off at very high temperatures. Mm. Um, so you think about making caramel, you go from the very simple sugar and between melted sugar and burnt and just carbon is caramel and right. it's that you know dark brown and you get a lot of really complicated molecules at a particular temperature right yeah. oh this seems like a good segue into gin almost like because <laughs> so so with gin i mean yeah. this is one of the things it's one of my favorite things to do like gin running days they're these very long runs that we'll do with them like 12 to 13 hours and um and running through the machines running through the still yeah let's let's Oh, not, right. You're not running through Bellingham with gin. No, well, not typically. <laughs> uh, at the end of the very long right day. at the very end at the end of the long day. So, so but the thing that's really fun is this, our alcohol concentration, the solution, like in the still, will change over that period of time because we're pulling the ethanol out, we're leaving water behind, and so the fun thing is, is so you work with those different botanicals, and some are more ethanol water soluble, but it's pulling different character the whole time. So the thing that's so fun about them. Is, is as you were saying, like these long chains, you know, that's not my area, but I do know that, <laughs> I do know that like it's really fun to, because you get snapshots, right? So you go to the still and you get a snapshot of what that will be at any given time. So you start off with like, you know, maybe this kind of citrusy thing, mm -hmm. and then it evolves into more kind of this, like this resinous juniper kind of thing. <laughs> Distilling differ between, say, a vodka and gin. When do you? Yeah. When so, does that branch? Yeah. So, so the front side of the process is is really very similar. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we're not we're not treating them a great deal different, except for spirit that's going to be going to gin gets a little bit more filtration because we want the backdrop of the gin to be blank. We okay. want it to be all about botanicals. Okay. Uh, we want the we want in the vodkas we. Like I said, it's not just about alcohol delivery. We're, we're looking for, we still want it to have substance. I mean, we want some refinement there. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we don't want to beat anybody over the head with any particular flavor, but, but at the same time, we want it to bring something to the party. So more filtration and then, yep. Then when does the juniper, when do the junipers go on? Are they the start? Yeah, so that's so. in still. So, so okay. like we're actually, um, so with this, we're using wheat. Okay. And, and then we'll actually go into the, to the cattle, like, so sometimes people will put botanicals like actually into yeah it, they'll macerate them and then they'll boil that solution sometimes they go like in the column it just depends on what style you, you do and so in all your varying alcohol solutions like whatever i go to kettle with and i'm not trying to play aloof with this but i mean everyone's got their own style yeah, right right okay um, whatever alcohol percentage you go to the kettle with is going to pull different character and then mm -hmm. you've got your snapshots and then that's how you put together your gin got and it. you'll get different things depending on what alcohol percentage you put in there 
And you were also talking about how yeah. doing alcohol with barrels and fermentation in barrels, and how is that different from what we were walking through and taking pictures of? So with the with the barrels, actually, uh, it would be fun to ferment in barrel. We actually don't ferment in barrel, but okay. but we're aging in barrel, like all of our all of our brown stuff. Okay, right. And, and which so, is what I see on the on the TVs. The yeah. commercial tells me that that's what happens. Yeah. Okay. For sure. So um, how we were talking about more filtration for the gin. I mean, essentially, we're accomplishing that sort of thing in the barrel. So we're okay. using charred barrels, so the inside has been carbonized. Okay. And and that carbon is pulling things and softening character because. Wow. Uh, so we actually got some rough spirit. We could try some of that next to some finished spirit. If Let's do it and pour this out because I can't finish it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so so how long before uh, do you leave like a vodka resting? before you would be able to bottle it. Yeah, that's the biggest part. Like you've really got to allow a lot of time for things to settle out. Cause it's still, like we were talking earlier about how, I mean, the water and the ethanol, I mean, they still kind of, they're not sure about one another. Like, so they'll beat up in weird spots and you're like, what the heck's going on here? You just have to give it time to, for everything to settle out. And uh, the longer you can leave it, the better. So like the larger producers, like, I mean, they'll allow it to s sit for like months. Like hmm. we can't unfortunately allow it to sit that long because we've got to turn stuff around. We don't have that much room here. Right. But um, we allow several one day. several weeks. One day. Okay. <laughs> it was in there a day. Yeah. Pull it out. Get it involved. Yeah. And um, no, I meant one day you'll be able to have oh, more room. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I was trying to be positive <laughs> oh, here. Oh, I see. And is that a? You have to interact with Tony a little bit. You'll see why I responded that way. <laughs> that glass half empty right there. <laughs> Do you have? Is that container that it's sitting in, is that closed or is it open to the air? To the elements. It's, it's uh, I mean, it's closed. We open it a little bit. So it's vented it's periodically. It's vented periodically. But it's not open, open. It's not open, open. Okay. Why did you ask that? Yeah, I was just wondering, I was <laughs> curious about whether it, I mean, it would make sense you want it closed because you want to retain the ethanol. And, yeah, but I was just wondering if, if there are things that potentially would evaporate out. Oh. and actually leave or yeah, whether yeah. it's closed and it's just how things are interacting with each other or whether the composition was actually changing uh, yeah, I've, I've actually heard of that too of people just leaving it with leaving it open with like a, a filter on top of it just so, so they, they say the stuff evaporates over like 24 hour period like the, they said that the taste really changes yeah but. I found I mean definitely yeah the more time you like when, when we first put together whatever it is that we're doing and we've just filtered or we've just done whatever and we do the initial, we do the initial proof down, it definitely kind of has, like with wines, lots of times we'll talk about like this dumb period with Pinot Noir, I don't know, like as in the wine industry for a long time. <laughs> but, um, but, but it kind of has this dumb period where you try it and you're like, ooh, that feels really, really harsh, you know? Mm. And the thing is, it just settles out, like, and it finds a happy spot. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, initially upon trying it, you're like, is this really what we just made? And then, and then it, 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 always, it always rounds out in a good way. So yeah, let's, let's try this next to each other. The, uh, you said the beginning and the finish, right? Right. So what we have here is we've got a little bit of bourbon that we've done, that we've completed. Okay. You know, so a bottle that's that spent its 13 months in barrel, 
and it's finished out as we wanted. And then we have some, some bourbon that's spent um, about two and a half months in barrel. So we can kind of see, so it's a difference between something that's like kind of polished and finished versus, versus something that's still kind of younger and raw and a little, it's edgy, you know? All right, let's do this. And the bourbon, is it colorless when it goes into the barrels? It is, yeah. Okay. This young one this. is fairly light in color, yeah. whereas the finished product is clearly much darker. Yeah, definitely. More like an iced tea dark. And this is more like an apple juice dark. Should we do shot glasses of each side sure, by side? Sure, sure, let's do that. Yeah. If you can spare, spare so we many shot glasses. have a lot of shot glasses. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> All right. let's do this. So we'll do our finished one. I would try the, the kind of the polished one the first. One first, okay. Here and we then, do. Here we do. <laughs> here we go. Okay. Oh, they smell, Whoa! They smell really different. Yeah. Oh yeah, they totally smell totally different. They smell really different. Yeah. Yeah, the finished. Um, I don't know what it smells like bourbon. I don't know. <laughs> I'm good at this. Whoa. Yeah. So so it's actually. <laughs> I, sorry, I just I just tried the the harsher not smoothed in the barrel it, it one. It feels like, you know, a little bit like a fire-breathing dragon. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. intense. As Regina's eyes are watering. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna finish this. <laughs> yeah, and our, and, our, and our crew here, well, our the, crew here is reason, coughing. Yeah, it's, it's still in, reason it's still in barrel, I uh -huh. guess, right? Uh -huh. um, yeah, so, so it actually, one of the big things is, is it's just letting it mellow out. It's, it's, pulling, it's pulling a lot of color, it'll pull like kinda I guess it would be nice to know, like, I don't know exactly chemically what it's pulling, but it pulls, it pulls stuff that ends up being kind of sweetness from there, like vanillin sort of character. Mm -hmm. I think some of it's like some proteins and maybe even Just some fatties. Like if, from the wood itself? Yeah. And so depending on what you proof down to, it'll actually, some of those things will go out of solution. It's one of the reasons that people will filter whiskey. Um, we don't believe in filtering whiskey. It's one of the reasons we like to keep it on the high side. So we're at 48% alcohol there, which keeps which keeps those in solution. Keeps stuff so dissolved. like if yeah. we go down, it's like kind of the magic number is 46%. As you drop below that, you'll start to have stuff that falls out of solution. Mm. Huh. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, and stylistically, I think when you filter, right, you're filtering, you can't just target filter. So you're gonna yeah. filter flavor too. Right. And so. Um, right. Yeah. So to, to end our episode, like in the middle of the episode, I talked about like distilleries. I think of explosions. I think of moonshine. Well, I mean, what do you see in pop culture that's accurate or inaccurate of, about distilling? Uh, I do know that a lot of people bring up moonshiners and that sort of thing to me. And I, right. I think that's great. That's so far from what we do here. Like <laughs> that it... So you, did, I, I you didn't mean, get your start out in the woods and then you just happened to... Right. No. <laughs> yeah, no. They, they don't come in barrels with X's on them? No, no, mm. no barrels jugs, with X's. Jugs, jugs. Is it jugs? Okay. Oof. Oh, right. Okay. I was so wrong. Yeah. Um, wasn't the Dukes of Hazard? They were bootleggers, right? Were they? Really? Really? They were running they? it for Uncle Jesse. Huh. Oh, wow. I, I didn't oh. even realize that. Yeah. I had a, I had the little Dukes of Hazard racetrack that I loved as a kid. The Dukes of Hazard car would jump over and the police <laughs> See, car. See, that's when it. this started. Yeah, yeah you, we been. just <laughs> found we found Unconsciously. it. Unconsciously. Good yeah. job, Jordan. <laughs>
and our tour guide, co-owner and head distiller at the Chuckanut Bay Distillery was Matt Howell. If there's a science idea that you're curious about, send us an email or post a message on our Facebook page, Spark Science. If you would like to see a tour of the distillery, check out the Chuckanut Bay Distillery's website page for more information. Our producer for today's show is Eric Faurieta, and engineer for today is Nathan Miller. Our theme music is Chemical Calisthenics by Blacklicious and Wonderland by Janelle Monet. Lead, gold, tin, iron, platinum, zinc. When I wrap your thing, iodine, nitrate, activate. Right to radio, the only difference is I transmit sound. Balance with some balance, then you add a little talent in. Careful, careful with those ingredients. They can explode and blow up if you drop them and they hit the ground.